You are listening to the Park Flyer Podcast, where we discuss our RC adventures. Welcome to the Park Flyer Podcast, where we discuss the ups and downs of the new RC Flyer. Join your hosts, Michael and Jay, as they take flight at the park. Now on with the show. Hey everybody, welcome to the Park Fire Podcast. I'm Michael in Phoenix, and with me always is my good friend, Jay in the hills of Texas. What is happening? Oh, I went on a little road trip uh, last week. That's what I hear. Yeah, that's over Hill and Dale, and I took our one of this. I haven't been on a road trip like this in, wow, dude, um, since I moved up to Alaska, so like 15 years. So, wow. Yeah. So we left uh, Texas, and we decided to go see our kids. They both happen to live in the same state of South Carolina. So uh, we oh, that's convenient. we gathered up all their stuff that they left at our house here and crammed <laughs> it in our little car and the dog, and we made, I don't know, it takes about 18, 19 hours to drive out there, and we uh, drove on out. Now, we stopped along the way, which was nice. Uh, I yeah. think we stopped in Louisiana, so that was, that was well, kind of nice. there you go. And our alma mater, maybe? No, 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 no. Oh. <laughs> we we were too we far were south. To, I think, we were right? closer to New Orleans, so well, you know. Gotcha. It was a nice trip, and the dog did well. Becky did well. I did well. You know, we we didn't argue or anything. It was actually quite nice. We had lots to talk about. <laughs> um, and didn't we were argue just... or anything. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, you know, you get stuck in a in a car with somebody, you just kind of run out of things to say. But actually, we had lots of topics. And, and once again, we were talking about our kids, so that was kind of sure. that was kind of interesting because we, you know, now we're going to the first time to go visit them. At least for me, my wife had been down the same before, but this was my first time. And uh, my youngest had bought her, had, you know, a year or two ago, she bought her first house, and my oldest, uh, she bought a condo. So I was going to go out oh, there. Oh, that's kind of cool. And have to do the dad things. So yeah, I was looking forward. Yeah, to it. it interrupts our hobbies. I know doing it the does. Dad things. Funny you should mention that. So. While I'm driving out there, or before I went out there, I said, well, you know, now that our budget, our travel budget has, like, almost quadrupled. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, are, we all got a raise. <laughs> I said to myself, well, you know, I'm always beating up on AK Mike about traveling and not taking a plane and doing this, that, and the other thing. Well, this time, I would have taken a plane with me, but physically, because my wife had packed up the car to the brim. I'm talking, we, I mean, we had to oil up the dog and shove it, shove her in there to make her fit in the, car, you know, the back seat. <laughs> Throw doggy treats in there? Oh, my gosh. It, the car was, I mean, it looked like Sanford and his son truck, you know, as we're driving down the road. It was, it was right. stuffed to the gills. I did, not, I did not have any room to put my radio. I, I mean, I barely had room to put my Zoom, you know, my recording wow. equipment in there. Sure. That, I, it was that packed. That was the only thing I was able to bring was my Zoom. And so I looked it up and I said, well, there's some, you know, there's a couple of RC clubs in that area. I'm going to go check them out when I'm right. out there. Unfortunately, well, I there couldn't bring a plane. I just didn't have the room. But uh, I, I knew I had to do some things when I went out there because I, I knew I was going to fix everything. And I was going to have a couple of days just sitting around while the, the women folk were out and about. So, yeah, I went and visited a couple of places and, and uh, met some nice people. That is fantastic. I think you said one of the places you visited was the... Uh South Carolina RC Society? Yes, sir. That's what that is, right? Yes, I did. Yeah, they're having a uh, 50th anniversary this year, I think. Yes, they reached the great milestone of being a AMA-sanctioned club for the past 50 years. 
So I had a great chance to talk to, with one of the founding fathers as well as the current club president mm-hmm. about what events they're going to be having later on this year to celebrate this. So you'll be able to hear about that a little later on in the podcast. All right. So this is the Charleston RC Society, the Charleston RC Society. I said the South Carolina, but yeah, uh, I do. Both, I, I was saying the same thing. Right? I kept doing the same. Yeah, I don't yeah. know why I did that, but I kept doing the same thing too. So, but Char- Charleston RC Society, they can be found uh, on on the web. I think they have a website. It's the uh, www.charlestonrcsociety.net. So give them uh, give them a check uh, or check them out, and. Um, and you got to talk to a couple of people down there, too, I think, right? Yeah, I, I got to meet the president, and I, I got to meet one of the founders of the club who uh, put the club together uh, oh so many years ago and, and actually got the field that they're using now. So uh, uh, Mr. Jackson, a nice individual, and uh, also, like I said, the president, Edward Yeesh, um, a terrific, super friendly guy. I can see why they made him the president. He's really good-natured, and you could tell that he is beloved by his group by the by as right. much as they pick on him. So I, well, they were talking smack see, to that's... him the second he, he showed up at the field. I just heard you know, they were talking <laughs> smack all over the place. I have that going on, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Isn't that sad how you can, you, you're more accepted, or you're accepted the more that they pick on you or, you know, heckle you when you're flying, so. Yeah, for him, it wasn't like because, like, he's, you know, short or, you know, he wears a funny hat or anything. It's, um, they were picking on him for, like, the amount of planes that he crashes. And, oh, and it, right. So he kind of, okay, so he kind of reminds me of how your club treats you. You know, sure. you're flying around and, like, you have a little mishap. Or you have to land a plane and you have to walk more than three steps to pick it up. <laughs> right. And they're like, oh, look at that, walk of shame, oh, man. Right. You just had <laughs> to walk four feet. steps. Meanwhile, they're landing halfway out in the field, you know, the the, the neighborhood next next door to yours. You know, that's no big deal. But you make a mistake or you do something, they, they immediately <laughs> jump on you, you know. Ha, 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 exactly. look what Mike did. <laughs> Which is really funny every time I come out to see you and they're just waiting, waiting for something to happen that they can get on you for. So, so it was the same thing with uh I with like Ed. it, though. It's they, fun. Uh, they were uh, quick to jump on them for, for any little mistakes that happened, but it was it was hilarious. So you had uh, obviously uh, had fun, right? You... Oh, most certainly. The first time I tried to go out there, we had a little weather issue. Uh, it mm-hmm. kind of rained on us, and I thought I was going to miss my opportunity to, to meet up with them. But I got I, I figured out where the club was. I called up uh, Ed's wife, talked to her. She was a really nice woman. She relayed my message on to him that I was out there and that we couldn't meet up. But we were able to meet up the next day, and it turned out to be a better day because that was nice and sunny. Uh, and I came on out, and I had a fantastic time. And they were really gracious to me. Next thing I knew, Edward stuck a, a plane in my hand and a radio in my hand, and I was flying. Because uh, that, that was one of the first things he said, would you bring out the fly? <laughs> so, you know, I knew <laughs> I liked him already. Dog. <laughs> so, yeah, so I was a little nervous, but uh, I had a great time flying around. Uh, they're super hospitable. Uh, yeah, I loved it. I had a great time. Good. Well, he is a instructor as well, I believe, right? Interesting enough, while we were out there, we even had uh, a few people who just kind of showed up, uh, kind of like I did, you know, kind of rubbernecking. And uh, one guy came out with his, I think he was like a three or five-year-old child. And the next thing you know, Ed had both of them out there. Uh, with the trainer plane or with a with the tro- Trojan plane that was out there that he was flying a little foamy. Really? He was 
got the plane up. Next thing you know, he had the he had the little the, the little boy down there on the ground. Put the put the radio in his hands, and the kid was sitting there moving the sticks, and he was he was talking him through how to fly the plane and and everything. Now the kid really wasn't flying. I mean, Edward was doing everything, but sure. it was it was it was super cute. Touched my heart, um, and we'd even talked uh, a little bit about uh, one of the problems with clubs nowadays that pretty much you know the youngest guy out there is you know like me and i'm 50 right (laughs) so i'm the youngster at 50 so it was really nice to see that there you know the father brought his 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 young child out there to see this and ed went overboard in my opinion to accommodate them and basically to get that spark going with that child because you know i know that when he went home he was going to tell his mom that he was flying planes and he was doing stuff and the kid was excited so it was it was it was a it was a good thing to see. He even kept him, you know, kept had the safety thing up because he was like, "Okay, you got to pick the plane up. Make sure you're not next to the propeller. Make sure you do this." Now, what do we do when we do this? Oh, we have to make sure our, the radio is shut down. We have to make sure we have to do this, this, this. And the kids like, "Yes, sir. Yes, sir." And off they walked. It was it was it was cute. I enjoyed that very much. Yeah, that's actually uh, you know great for you to see. That kind of gives us uh, something we can do later too. I think as we get older and our grandkids kind of come out. And in today's world, with a buddy box, you can almost let them fly just any channel. You know, you can just have them ailerons or rudder or elevator or whatever. That's and true. Uh, and, and now with the uh, ASX3, you know, type mm-hmm. uh, systems that are in the planes, a lot of them will, you know, you could put on fences, you know, so the plane right. won't fly past a certain zone. You can keep at certain altitudes. You can put them in super safe mode so that right. they could be banging the sticks all over and the thing will barely be moving. So yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a, a great time to be alive for beginners or or bringing a beginner into the sport. Well, that is very cool. Well, the exciting news is you got to sit down and interview some of these guys. So why don't we uh, why don't we take advantage of that and uh, listen to this interview? Absolutely. All right. Hi, everybody. This is Jay Neely. I'm here in Charleston, South Carolina at the Charleston RC Society Airfield. And I'm here with Rich, who is one of the founders of this great club. And he's going to tell us a little bit about how he got this place started and got this field going. So, Rich, uh, could you tell us a little bit about your trials and tribulations and how you got the field started? Hey, I'm Richard Jackson. Our club was founded in April of 1968, so this is our 50th anniversary. We originally flew on a farm of locally in Charleston. It was owned by the Clemson University. When that got developed into an industrial complex, we moved to a landfill for another year or two. Then we found this place. Uh, a retired Air Force guy owns this place. He's kind of a gentleman farmer, hobby farmer, and he was kind enough to rent it to us. We've developed it. We had to level it and keep the grass mowed and do all the other bits and pieces. And then two years ago, we laid down a geotech's runway. The Geotex runway was 120-foot roll of Geotex, 15-foot wide. We trimmed off some of the ends to put down taxiways. And people have asked us about it, and it really was easy to put down. Just roll it out, staple it down. It took six of us about two hours. And this year, we put out another 15-foot strip. So now our runway is 100 by 30 feet, plus the taxiways. Uh, our club right now is at about 110 people. Just have a good, friendly club. We're just local fun flyers. That's all we do. Well, it definitely looks fun. Um, Why we've been sitting here, I've watched uh, a car two drive up with folks who uh, just wanted to go out and uh, see what this place was about. And I see right now where Ed, uh, the president, is taking out a a young flyer. Looks to be about five, six, seven, eight. 
Three. Oh, three. He looks old for his age. All right. And he's going to be flying the plane that I got to fly. So we'll see how he does. That's awesome. That's the biggest thing I noticed with a lot of clubs. It's like, you know, I'm 53 now, and I tend to be the youngest guy there. <laughs> so it's nice to see somebody who's only three going out there. That's really great. So do you get a lot of young members out here? Not as many as we'd like. We try to attract them. Charleston has a model train show twice a year down in North Charleston. We have a display there every year with flight simulators. And we'll every, every year it seems like we pick up a couple of people. Somebody comes in with their grandkids and the kid's interested in it. So we work on that. We, we try to do that. We have, like I said, we have the flight simulators available. And, you know, the trouble with kids these days, there's way too many distractions. I would have to agree with that. I, we were talking on the flight line a little bit about how the ease of this sport as opposed to when you started till now, right? You can walk in the store, have 100 bucks in your pocket, and you can walk out with a transmitter, a plane that flies decently that you don't have to tinker with and go fly. It couldn't be easier to get into the hobby, but yet it seems it's harder to get, you know, once again, if I could have been a kid and just walked out and, and flown, you know, my first model took me a month to build it, took me 30 seconds to fly it, and then it took me another month to rebuild it. <laughs> and I flew it for another 30 seconds and destroyed it. And, and then I was out of the hobby for 20 years until technology caught up a little bit. Like you said, uh, you have this beautiful geotex runway that you put in, a beautiful grass field. You're surrounded by a little bit of woods here. Uh, I see you got a little bit of uh, wood trimming on uh, one of the runways. Uh, I take it you're cutting down, uh, I guess, to get a little bit more access or had a few mishaps, I I would think, at the end of the runway. Yes. uh, You know, unfortunately, some people can have one tree and an acre of land and hit it. And that, that happens. So we tried to cut down cut off some of the tops of some of the trees to help that out uh, you'll never solve the problem i mean most of us find very quickly our depth perception is not nearly as good as we think it is but you know it's just all part of the process of maintaining a field and keeping things going uh just like cutting the grass every week well rich i appreciate you taking some time out to talk with me uh, real quickly about uh, the founding of the club and and uh, how you guys got this place going uh, I came out yesterday to see you, and it, we, we kind of got rained out. Uh, I heard that you have an amazing, um, I guess it's uh, a, an RC detector for weather. And so I guess I just missed you by five minutes. You just left, and it just started to rain. And I, went, and I came out here, and I'm like, ah, it's just a few drizzles and drops. And I drove up, and I sat in my car, and I was just about to get out, and it just came down. <laughs> and I was just standing here like, oh, no. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you were able to come out, and I was able to meet you today. Glad you're here. I hope you enjoy your trip out here. Um, I know if you're going to be flying in Texas, you might as well get used to wind because that you'll have out there. And as far as airplanes, uh, a guy I knew out there, uh, Bill Netsevin from years back, Famous words, the probable life of this aircraft is 15 seconds. Build accordingly. Then thank goodness it's not like that anymore. True words haven't been spoken. Thank you very much, Rich. Once again, I'll, I'll be interviewing a few more people out here. Uh, I'll talk to you guys later. Hi, everybody. I'm back, and I happen to have the opportunity to be sitting here with the club president of the Charleston Radio Control Society. Edgy's the president of this fine club who's given me a fine opportunity to come out here fly a little bit on this gorgeous day and to give me a little information about what it's like being the president of this terrific club take it away ed 
Well, first of all, I got to say uh, I've got a uh, great board of directors. We have nine people on the board, and uh, we try to keep nine people on the board because things happen when you have just two smaller groups. So we have our normal safety officer and, and normal club officers, and we have ourselves a field marshal who actually we set up in our bylaws to have a vote. And then we have three members at large. Whenever somebody has a complaint, I say, go see those guys. And I name off the members at large first. Let's go through the channels. Everything doesn't have to come to the president. And it doesn't always. We have a great group of people here. Of course, they, they pick on a president a lot, but it's okay. As long as they enjoy it, they're good. With all that good-natured ribbing, Ed, you got to tell it they love and respect you. Well, yeah, I, I hope it's love. It, <laughs> I hope it's love, but it's all good. But, yeah, I've, I've, we've set up uh, things to do with scouts and, and different little projects and stuff, and the president don't have to be there. They'll get to, You get the group, they get together, they split up, they cover. We did three STEM programs in one day at three different locations in the low country here. I mean, it's great. Didn't have as many Sims. We got a couple extra Sims now because everything we have is pretty much donated. We did actually actually buy a couple nice all-in-one touch screens for the club, 23-inch dia- uh, diagonals. and Controllers were donated. and So, Ed, how many trainer planes do you have? Uh, we have three trainer planes right now. Well, we got two that are totally flying, and we got one that a gentleman, just uh, one of our other members, drives from Beaufort. Down by the Air Force Base. So he's basically almost an iron 45, two-hour trip to come to be with this club. And he's a hoot. He's a, he's a character and a half. And it's all good. So he donated one, and he's setting it up. So he's going to be one of our other instructors. Uh, we have guys that fly sailplanes, helicopters, quads. we got an instructor to cover any uh, aspect of the uh, hobby that anybody would want to do. And I just saw you give an introduction to a guy who brought in his three-year-old son. Does that happen a lot around here? We gave him a test ride with limited throttle control and a few pretty rugged turns and straight line flights that got slightly slightly wonky on him quickly, but it's okay. I think it had done better if it had stayed watching the airplane because his dad was trying to help him with the sticks and he didn't really like it. But he wanted to look at the sticks and not watch the aircraft. So uh, there was a little bit of extra uh, taking control with the three-year-old. Uh, the youngest student I've had was a little seven-year-old, and God bless her. She's a sweet, precocious young lady. Uh, she'll help you do anything you can. Uh, we had a gentleman having trouble one day with his nitro burner. So we were. she was in her lesson, and she says, can I go see Mr. Roger? I said, sure. So she goes down there with him, and what's the matter? And he says, well, he said, I think I got air in a line or a hole in a fuel line someplace, and I can't find it. She said, well, crank it. So he cranks on it a couple of times. Well, can't you see it? The hole's right there. God bless the youth of the world, you know. Uh, anyway, th- she's a great little girl. Uh, she was almost ready to solo, and the weather got cold, got windy. So I got to get back with her here, and we'll get her back out here and get her soloed, and she'll be a happy little camper. But it's all good. It's 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 a hobby. Is uh, one young gentleman that we had came out to the field, and we put him through our intro pilot program, and. Uh, after he uh, did his solo, he came out with a Parrot Bebop quad to start with and uh, flew with a, well, one of his buddies, and we just kind of stood over his shoulder and watched him pretty hard to fly off, help him fly with a uh, iPad. So did his intro pilot program, three airplanes later, three more quads later. We're leaning against the fence watching somebody fly, and he puts his hand on my shoulder and goes, Ed? I'm thinking, oh, man, Alan, what's going on? You know, it's, this Ed sounded like, wow. 
He looks down at me because he's a big boy. He goes, my girl and I have been together for eight years. He says, but as his hands were hanging down heavier on my shoulder, he says, if I don't get out of this hob diction, we've been engaged for a year. She says, there's not going to be a wedding. He still flies, not often as much, and yes, they are married. So beware, folks. It gets to you. And then we have those guys, and we've, they've, they've coined a new phrase, and I can't remember it off the top of my head, but that's when you're the guy that you see it, and, and fortunately he's single and retired, and I guess he got one heck of a bankroll because he bought four planes in four days because he saw it and saw somebody else had one that had to have it. So that reminds me of a pretty good story. We were just talking, uh, I was talking to Rich about this. Uh, when I was up in Alaska, we got a donation from from the school. The school got a donation, and we went down to help them sort through this donation. And the donation was some airplanes. And my buddy calls me up, and he, and he says, hey, Jake, can you come down and give me, a, give me a hand sorting this stuff? Well, I'm thinking it's like 25 boxes and some spare motors, and that's like it. And I kind of walk down there, and he's standing by the door. He's like, yeah, come over here. It's in this room in here. And I'm like, okay. And he has one of those grins. And you're just like, okay, something's up. And I walk in the room, and it was like walking into a warehouse. And I go, these are the planes we have to sort? And he goes, yeah. And so what had happened, unfortunately, the gentleman had died, but it was the same thing. He was single, obviously was never married, you know, (laughs) by the amount of planes. So what was one of the first planes that you put together? One of the first planes I put together was an old Gillows free flight model. Everybody got to love the Gillows. And it didn't fly very true because I got a little bit sloppy with the tail feather. Okay. So in the free, fo- in the free flight models, we had over 75 free flight models, brand new in the package. All right. Oh. Yes. So out of that was just the free flight stuff. Then we had like almost 800. Uh, gliders we had you know about the same in regular you know air uh, regular balsa aircraft it was it was impressive so every plane that you could think of that maybe you put together or or had you you know you first put together this gentleman had them you know he had them brand new and brand new in the box and not only that uh, the in the box he would uh put in all the things you needed like tires uh the servos uh the motors that went with it was or, or if there was any extras, like a different cowling or, or something, whatever that special that came with the plane, he would buy it for that particular aircraft. And that's what was taking so long because you'd find something. You go, what is this doohickey? And, you know, another guy would look at it and goes, yeah, I think that goes to a P-47. And I'd go and find the P-47, you know, top flight P-47 kit and look in there and look at the instructions. And sure enough, it says, oh, optional, something optional for the kit. And that would be it. So, yeah, it it helps to be single. And what it's amazing what you can do. Yeah. That's impressive. That's uh, we've we've cleaned out for several of our members, and I don't know if uh, Richard talked to you about uh, Dr. Larry Lamel. He was one of our founding club fathers, also, because there's Richard left, and uh, Bill Evans, and then uh, Dr. Larry. They were the last of the originals that chartered our club. Will be 50 years come the 18th of April here, and we're going to have a shindig here. We're going to. I think it's – got to look. I never keep my notes and keep it straight in my head. I believe it's the 21st of April with a uh, cancellation date of the 5th. Pulled pork, mac and cheese, coleslaw, and whatever other fixings that uh, this guy arranged with us because I think he's going to join the club. <laughs> he's a friend of uh, Bill Evans, our other founding father with the club that's still hanging in here with us. And there's another gentleman that has quite a collection. And he's been he's been kind of bleeding them off and going to some of the ones with the more flight stabilization. 
thank heavens for the space age and uh, John F. Kennedy because we've got lots of stuff in this hobby now that uh, just kind of trickled down to us and got better and better to uh, help us not hurt our pocketbook so bad and uh, prevent those little uh, oopses. Yeah, what we were talking about was what you can get for $100 now. You know, you walk into the store, 100 bucks, and you can walk out with some that's flight stabilization and, you know, flies perfectly right out of the box. Right out of the box. And, and as the older you get, the more you need it. And I'm feeling it. My first flight here, and I'm going to die myself out. I had my I only had one airplane at the time. Of course, we didn't have our geotech's runway. And uh, the grass was pretty green, and it just didn't want to go because I'd flown up north off of a either off the ball diamonds where it was dirt or off a blacktop parking lot out over big valley so that spitfire was just beautifully set up camouflage wise but i never flown in a box full of trees so i came in over the uh, southwest corner on a landing approach and was going to kind of head it in straight in the wind because it's kind of coming out of the northeast and as i turned it into the wind and it dropped below the trees that camouflage was perfect the next time i saw it was in the middle of the field with the nose broke off I got my first crash of the month. Yeah, well, that's one bad thing about warbirds. If you make them too uh, realistic, there's a reason why they paint them in those camouflage colors. Um, well, a good friend of mine up in Alaska, uh, Pete, he had this P30, uh, P38. Awesome looking plane. Uh, fast twos. And all of a sudden we get it out and we had a great place to fly on base. But you get it at that right angle and it would just disappear. It would just, like a stealth aircraft, man. It would just... It would just disappear, and I'd be like, man, you need to put some stripes or invasion stripes or make those invasion stripes, you know, neon yellow or something. may not be realistic, but that 30 seconds of, you see it, right? See what? <laughs> We've got uh, several older or elderly gentlemen, I should say, because I'm one of them. Now I was corrected by a gentleman, and I said he was old, and he said, no, I'm just elderly, and he's elderly this, elderly that. But anyway, uh, yeah, they, don't, they won't give up on their skill colors. Now, they're, they're tweaking it just a little bit. Give that just a little bit of brightness for when you have that right moment and the clouds are just right that you don't lose, lose them. Because our field has eaten lots of airplanes here for many years. I think we've been here almost 24 years this April. So, yeah, so we're almost been out of the 50 years we've been at this field half as long as the other, forget how many it was that they before they settled down here, but. Anyway, so it's just a, it's just a great, great, great hobby, uh, and you always have people that want to help, and it's a whole lot more fun tweaking somebody else's aircraft, and even you know it's just there's just something about tweaking somebody else's aircraft. It's all good. Okay, so once again, looking at the field, so uh, how how big is the field, and the what's the total length of the runway? Geotex runway that we put down is uh, two eighty because we save stuff for uh, taxiways off of it, and save some for some spare by uh, twenty nine and a half feet because the rolls come three hundred by uh, fifteen. So they recommend overlapping a foot, and we thought we're not wasting that six inches. But uh, it was a maze. Everybody says, well, we can't, we really can't land on that after we take off because it's too narrow well it didn't take long everybody's eyeballs adjusting it they just hitting it like rockets so then uh, we were in a meeting one night and our property owner of course mr bailey goes uh so when we put my other piece of geotex down we ordered that thing in a heartbeat so as he said put it down but yeah we're a thousand well, our feels kind of up up uh not quite square so 
Uh, I think it's a thousand and eighty-two on a long part of the box off of it, and from the flight stations, we're about four hundred feet, and then you go over the woods a long, long way. There is a couple open pasture fields where we have recovered some aircraft that, after they were lost, they were actually sighted sitting on the ground with not too much damage. They actually landed better than when the pilot would have landed them, so it's pretty good. Uh, for the rest of the year, do you guys have any events or anything coming up that you guys are going to be doing, uh, special things that you do each year? Well, this year we got, we're, again, I think Richard may have touched about on it, uh, the uh, Charleston Railroad Society show. Uh, I've got, when it, we've been waiting for the weather to break, I've got three scout groups that come want to come in for STEM programs with anywhere from 7 to 20 kids. And we've been kind of waiting for the weather to break. And then our April was pretty well filled up. We're going to celebrate the club's 50th anniversary for being an AMA charter member on the 21st. Ed, what's your club's number? 585. 580. 580. You know, that's terrible. (laughs) I didn't mean to put you on the spot, buddy. It's it's okay. It's 585, I believe. Hey, I I used to remember numbers for a living, okay? I had like 500 pieces of equipment. I could remember the equipment number that the operators used and the asset number to go with it. I retired. I don't need to remember numbers anymore. I just need to remember that this battery goes with that, and this means it's full charge. I'm good to go. But, no, uh, so April's going to be busy. Uh, we hadn't been – there hadn't been an air show at Base Charleston for a while, and this club used to participate with that a lot. And uh, so one of our other elderly club members who's also retired Air Force and has just recently left the base as our liaison, and we've been invited when the uh, Thunderbirds come to Charleston on the 28th of April this year. Yeah, well, uh, we had the same thing, you know, those guys, when they would come up to see up in Elmendorf, that was a big draw for the club. We got a lot of interest in our club. People were just like, oh, we we didn't know there was model air, you know, you have a model airfield on the on the base, or you have a, people are flying model airplanes? This is amazing. So for us, it was a big draw to, to be at that show. So if you guys can get on, on, on down here for that, it's going to really help your club out. And at the same time, unfortunately, we have a group of people that some of them don't want to be out on a flight line or uh, standing over simulators at the air show. So they're going to go, they volunteer to go stand in a uh, semi-air conditioned building and uh, gymnasium and uh, demonstrate aircraft to people. We uh, take out our uh, flight insurance for the event and we'll be with the uh, Charleston Modelers Railroad Society out of Charleston. They actually have a full-time display uh, down at the Citadel Mall that they keep open two, three, and this is their fundraiser again. So we participate with them, and uh, we've been doing that for several years now, and it, it's just a hoot. Uh, set up the Sims and all the kids, we're, we're a pretty good draw for I mean, they come in for air ter- for their planes, but what more can a kid want? Airplanes and trains, little flight demos, a flight simulator. Uh, Richard will fly the little vapors in the gym. We'll kind of primer it off and, and fly the little vapor in, and the kids just go wild over it, you know. And, and, yeah, and there can be a few issues once in a while. I got challenged one time to fly my EDF wing through the uprights, and the gust of wind as I made my turn to go into it, cracked her right into the goalpost upright on a football field. It was a hoot. I got a round of applause. Picked her up, a little bit of tape, and we're back in the air. It's all good no matter what we do. <laughs> so you just never can tell what's going to happen. And let's see, what else we got coming out? Well, I think that the uh, Carolina Council has something going on in in uh, June. And then there's supposed to be something else going on in July or August with the Carolina Council. But they haven't finished up what their plans are, so we just kind of hang in limbo until they say, can you be there? 
and they've surprised. We pulled together one time for 75 scouts of the overnighter. I think we pulled it together. We had a meeting, and that weekend we were there. Had enough volunteers in the flying area a bit. It was it was in the middle of the swampland, right on the intercoastal waterway, and the only thing it flew was little things. But uh, the guys took their power boats. I mean, we're RC, so we have boats. We have people that use sailboats, you know, quads, race cars. It's all RC. It's all great. That sounds terrific. Well, Ed, I really appreciate you giving me a, you know, a taste of hospitality down here, seeing your beautiful club, your beautiful field. I can't, I can't, I'm, I'm overwhelmed that in fact you had a plane here for me to fly since my car was, I, I couldn't bring one, unfortunately. Shame. <laughs> I know, shame. It's a, you know, boo on me for, for not being able to talk my wife and let me bring a, a plane with me. But I tell you what, the weather's still good. The wind isn't blowing too much. So why don't we go ahead? And you have four batteries, so let's fly the batteries out. I appreciate you sitting here for our talk. And, folks, we'll talk at you later. Well, it sounds like you had a lot of fun there in uh, South Carolina. I did, man. Uh, like I said, it's it's uh, good to see a club where they really get along well with their president. Their president gets along well with everybody. Like I said, I love the rapport those guys gave him, or I should say just all the jazz they sure. gave him for, you know, his flying right, abilities right. or what, whatever, but it, it was just fun to see that, you know. It's kind of like some of the stuff we do, jabbing each other, just, you know, talking smack <laughs> to each other. I kind of I kind of like that stuff. Yeah, it's kind of fun to do that anyway. But, uh, yeah, congratulations, uh, Rich Jackson, uh, for the 50th anniversary. That's pretty amazing, 50 years in the AMA. Yeah, yeah. I wonder, I wonder how many clubs actually have passed or at least at their 50 years. That's a good question, right? That is a good question because it seems that, um, not that I've been in a ton of clubs, but at least talking to a few different guys who have been in them, um, Mm -hmm. it seems to me like a lot of clubs tend to fall apart around, I don't know, 10 to 15 years, either because members start to drop off or they get the wrong club, not club members, but I should say the the guys who are controlling it, the president, um, the you know, treasurer, yeah. whatever, and then yeah. it gets real political. And then people right. st- stop coming or going because it gets so political or people are just getting so worked up about stupid stuff as opposed to forgetting about, you know, we're here to fly. We're here to play with toys. We're, we're grown men. <laughs> right. Yeah, this is a hobby, by the way. It's not a job. Uh, well, I know that uh, Mike... Uh, Alaska Mike, you know, when he went out to California, he had a couple of clubs that had single or double digit, um, you know, AMA numbers. So they've got it. They had to have been around at least a 50 year mark or so. Oh, yeah. Easily. Easily. It'd be interesting. I mean, for Rich to, you know, be one of the founding members, that's just amazing to have lasted this long and to still be a part of it as well. I mean, that's that's. Truly, truly yeah. amazing. I, I, I mean, uh, according to, to Ed, I think I think with Rich, I think there's only two. I think there's a total of three founding members or founding fathers, as they call them, left in their club. You know, still alive. Wow, wow. So that is amazing. Well, good for him, man. We uh, we love to see that guys that love the hobby so much they'll stay in it fifty years. I only have uh, fifty years more to go, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, starting no, not, today. Not when did really. you join last? Join, uh, including this month, uh, two months ago. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm almost in my third month or fourth month of joining a club. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, sorry to hear that. Well, uh, I like the Geotex runway too. I, you know, we almost, almost got one. I, I think actually, the no, Gilbert they did get Clark one. Your club out there did. did I saw yeah. a video on yeah. YouTube where yeah. where they installed it and then I think the next video was they were tearing it up. <laughs> it's like 
Yeah, they lost their uh, um, their space. I guess they had to um, move to a different field. So they had just purchased it, laid it all out. I wasn't part of the club in there. I had already moved, but uh, yeah, they got together, laid it all out, and they had to roll it back up because the city closed that that part of the county closed it, and then they had to go find a new place. Yeah. So back up, back up for our listeners. So that club was uh, sharing or leasing, or they'd been given rights to co- county land, and I guess it was half. They, it was a not a horse park, but they they could train horses there. Uh, or what, what was the whole deal? Yeah, what was the whole half. deal with that? Half of the place was an RC park. It, it was an old landfill um, that they had used and built it up. And half of it was basically an RC field, and the other half was an equestrian center. And I think at the time when I was there, you know, the equestrian guys used it part of the time, and, you know, the RC guys used it some of the time. And I think there was a little bit of a conflict between what the county was hearing over who was, you know, who had rights. Because the horses didn't respond very well to the RC airplanes flying around, buzzing around, and the equestrian guys, which, I, you know, we have plenty of them out here, so I totally get it. Um, but there were, mm, I think there was probably 120 or 130 members of the, of right, the club, right. and I think there were only like 30 members of the equestrian club. So rather than have, the county said, rather than have you guys fighting with each other, we're just going to go ahead and, you know seal off the gate and call it even so everybody kind of everybody <laughs> wait a minute how does that well you know because we don't want to have conflict we'll make sure nobody has fun and we're gonna we're gonna you so know, nobody can go there and use this uh, land it's gonna sit vacant uh you know i think they were looking to repurpose it for something else anyway and because it was um so, somebody had done something i i think rick Dissler is out there i mean we've talked to him before but uh he, he would have more information on gotcha it. I'm, I'm not really familiar with the whole history behind it but but the geotex runway for um you know rich that makes total sense for those guys out there and you got the fly off of it yeah right? it was, it's great it uh, how did it work well you know like i said when you see that there's grass and everything it, it kind of looks like it's paved until you walk on it mm-hmm. and then you're like oh i don't want to you know it's not as hard as walking on uh, pavement asphalt. or asphalt and so when you walk on it it gives so you're just like ooh. Am I am I gonna am I damaging this or is it rubbery or you know what is you know what is it or is there just grass sure. underneath it but there's not you know it's dirt underneath there um, but it still kind of gives a little bit and it seems to do fine I mean uh, these guys were able to roll it out in no time they're not too terribly expensive it's just that you need to have you know some help to put it in but I mean I think they said it only took six of them to put you know in a couple hours to put it in. And then they got, you know. Yeah, one afternoon or so, yeah. and uh, and they had it all laid down. And they actually have little taxiways, too, right, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. are narrower? Yeah. You know, so they got taxiways. They got a nice a nice runway. And then, like I said, right off to the side, if you wanted to take off the grass, the grass is well man- manicured and nice. So, you know, if you got gliders or whatever you have, you could take it right off the grass. Or if you over if you go over the runway, as opposed to, like, out there in Arizona where you're out in the desert and the cacti, that's not right. a problem where they are. So. Yeah, East Coast for that. <laughs> I know. Well, congratulations. That's uh, interesting. We'll have to uh, look at some more, um, you know, geotech type runway stuff. That, that that's an interesting, whole interesting thing to me. We'll have to find somebody that actually has one that can kind of explain the whole process behind getting one. Maybe we can talk to Rick again and see what they did to get theirs. Well, the good part about it is, you know, it looks like it's permanent. But they can rip it up quicker than it took them to put it down, from what I understand. That's amazing. 
you know. It is truly amazing. So you roll it up, you pack it up, and then, you know, except that, you know, that stuff's kind of heavy, you know, but still. Sure. Well, I like that uh, Edward helps uh, the Boy Scouts, too. That was pretty amazing. He, do, he seems to do a lot for those guys. Yeah. And we uh, we had another um, uh, guest earlier this year. We did. That, uh, that did our our good old chicken wrangler uh, in Houston. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, but they help Boy Scouts. But that's always exciting when uh, the youth involved and in, in the fact that he's doing work, you know, with the Boy Scouts or at least helping them out. It's, um, you know, the simulator project. That's that's a great deal. I mean, it helps. I, I think it's better when, you know, kids fly the simulator because there's nothing worse than getting an airplane, crashing it, and then just losing your mind over the fact that, oh, my gosh, you know. Right. It's fun, you, you know, without the pressure. And if you do crash, you just hit the reset button and start all over. Yeah, so exactly. I, I, I think that's a better way to do it. You know, and I spent many, many, many nights when I first got into this hobby, when the simulators first came out. I mean, that simulator you gave me for like a stick airplane flying around you know but <laughs> i flew on it every day and i'd come in here and sit down at the computer yeah, and fly it definitely helps you out minutes just to get better okay some some people really have a knack for dealing with mm. children and people and he, like i said from the minute i met that guy i could just tell he he was a people person but like when he just took that kid and you know working with a three or five year old is difficult enough as it is doing something anything and he just took right. to the kid related right with the kid and next thing you know the kid's flying you know even though he was doing the flying but i mean just the rapport and the way he approached the kid you know the kid thought he was flying he was trying to you know help you know he was helping him out he's trying to make him look at the plane and not his sticks but he that kid had an absolutely wonderful experience you know and so did the dad too so you know after that i, t- I ended up talking to the dad um and giving him some information and stuff. And, and he was definitely interested in coming back there. You know, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Within just, like I said, that short two, three, four-minute flight, he kind of got somebody hooked to go, a father to go, hey, I, I may just get into this. And then, look, if there's people out here that can keep my kids' attention, uh, maybe I sure. should maybe I should join sure. this club. And then when he, he is old enough, you know, it'll be a, a shoe-in. So. Well, I, I've seen so many uh, YouTube videos of kids in the three to five range that are out there just killing it. You know, they they take to it so easy. Yeah, I hate those kids. Now let's 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 be, let's be real. I hate those kids. <laughs> I hate. <laughs> You're talking about right. like uh, what's the one kid? Um, he's I can't remember. His yeah, name, but he, but he yes. started like the kid with the helicopter. Yeah, the kid with the helicopter. He's yes. badass. Yes. <laughs> I, I I don't I mean know, to say, right. it, but he's badass, and I hate him. Because he's still, he, you know, his dad's got to put him on a box so they can see him, you know, <laughs> as he's, yeah. he's demonstrating for the uh, the judges. I mean, you know, and I've seen that him from, from his videos from when he's like four, you know, prodigy to like mm-hmm. he's now, I think he's like eight or 11, you know. Uh, I think he's older than that now. Yeah, yeah probably 16 or 17 now. He's still probably. a punk. I hate him. But yeah, it is, it is amazing. <laughs> it is amazing. So. But it, it's a good for him, you know. I mean, as Edward uh, continues to do that, hopefully it'll bring more and more people into our hobby and, and kind of pass it on to the next generation. So I, I kind of like that. Uh, it Definitely kudos to him as well. Yeah, so. yeah. Oh, I liked it. I th- I we'll have to ask and see how the uh, how the air show went as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, so. and that's a big thing because uh, I think, of why, uh, like I had said it during the, uh, the interview, for us, when I was up in Alaska, when we had our mm-hmm. air show, and it was a big thing because I think we, we only did one that we actually were on the base and were doing something. But even that one showing that we went there, 
we got exposed, you know, during the week, the whole weekend for in Alaska, it was like 200,000, 260,000 people is what total for the whole weekend uh, of folks that came there. Now, granted, at the time that we were there, you got to understand that we only had just a little less than 600,000 people in the entire state. So, you know, when you have one third of the state show up in your city to just to see an air show, you know, it's a big deal. If they're getting to go to these air shows and then all these people and tourists and, you know, everybody else is showing up, it's great exposure. So I, I, I wish them all the luck for that. I've been to a couple of air shows here in Arizona where they did that. Some of it was, in, you know, inspirational for me. I think we had an episode where I mentioned the Silver Surfer. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, where they built that. Yeah, I saw that. That was at an air show. I saw that one. So I think it's nice to see guys that get out with the bigger scale stuff and some of the builders that get out there. And it, and it is kind of inspirational. And it's uh, it's nice to see Edward out there, you know, participating in that. Um, you know, I know the Holly Springs guys out there in North Carolina that um, Doug Leroy and his group, they do stuff for the community as well. So anytime a group like this can get active in their community to – make it better for our hobby it's it's excellent because i think that there are a lot of stuff in our hobby that are just misconstrued you know i mean they it's always looked at poorly i think in the you know public's eye so the fact that they're actually taking a positive step towards getting the information out there from you know from them to the public so that the public has a little bit better understanding of what we do and in the hobby that way, you know, everybody's not hating those guys. Right. Especially now with the uh, with, with the drones coming out and everybody's kind of anti-drone. Right. You know? Right. So, yeah, that's that that's awesome. So. Well, what do you uh, what do you have planned for uh, this week? Are you going to go um, fly at all? Yeah. Um, I, I got to get with the guys. Uh, we went, like I said, I, the, we went flying a couple of weeks ago. So now it's getting hot here in Texas and... And so just going to get out there a little earlier in the morning and, and go fly because the mornings are pretty nice. So I think we're going to try to do something once a week, you know, where we get out and go fly, kind of like what you do, you know, with your group. Sure. So I don't know if we're going to pick a particular day or not, but uh, I, I would like I would like us to kind of establish that. So I, I got to get everybody's email num- uh, email addresses and, and set that up so we can go ahead and uh, start showing up, you know, at least once or twice a week. As a group, because it was, I have to admit, it's been a long time. It was nice, even though there wasn't like a ton of us, there was only four of us out there. Right. It was just really nice just to be out there with the guys, four guys out there flying. It was nice. Right. Well, it's always, um, always good to have more than one guy out there. It's, you know, getting hot here too. So I think our snowbirds are eventually, you know, cruising up to cooler. Yeah, places. I know. Your, your, your group is totally different. Everybody bails come summertime, poof. And all of a sudden it's just the yes. locals. They do. You know, all two of you, I think. <laughs> Everybody else is gone for the hills. I know. That's pretty funny. So, Well, it's been uh, a great opportunity for you to travel uh, out to see your um, your kids and, and to be a part of the Charleston RC Society. That We uh, we give them, uh, you know, congratulations on their success, and we appreciate them hosting you. Uh, it was really nice of it them was. to take time and, and do some interviews and and uh, let you fly around. They hey, anytime somebody sticks a transmitter in my hand and four batteries and says, "Hey, go fly that plane." <laughs> you know, I tend to really exactly. like those people. 
Now, I know you, you sent a picture uh, of that Trojan that you were flying, but then you also have a picture of it oh, not in so, the same. Oh, uh, yeah, that kind of happened after the interview. So as I think I ended, oh, gotcha. as I ended the interview, we were like, hey, we got a handful of batteries. Let's go out and you know finish flying the plane. So I, I went out and I flew. Ed gave me uh, his DX-8 and his Trojan. And I went out there and I flew a bit. And he, like I said, they were cutting down the trees. They were trimming the trees at the uh, each end of the runway, you know, doing some pruning and some st- and some maintenance. And he was taking care of that because he was running into some issues. So after he got done with that, he came back down to see me and see how I was doing with the flying. And I told him, oh, I'm flying okay. Everything's going great. I, I'm down to my last battery or two. And so I said, well, do you want to fly? And he's like, yeah, sure, man. I'll, 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 I'll take a, you know, I'll, I'll take half a battery and, you know, go ahead and fly. As he's flying, he's talking to me, and he's talking about the particulars of the, his particular runway. And they have really high pine trees, easily 40 to 50 feet high, easy. On wow. one side of the runway is these really tall pines, so you get a lot of burbling off the top of the pine trees. And so when you kind of oh, turn right. to base and you're coming in, you know, turning away from those trees, you, you, you end up going into that chop. Then, you know, then it kind of calms down, and then you kind of fly out back into the chop, and then you turn for final. So he's up there kind of explaining some stuff because I said, yeah, it, it kind of throws me off because cause these trees are what? They're easily, you know, two to three mistakes high. Yeah, my approaches are been really high lately because I'm coming off those trees to stay above the trees and then kind of trying to come down and get on the runway. So it's just throwing me off because where I fly, the trees are a lot shorter and it, I don't feel like I have to fly as high. This is just kind of throwing me off. And he goes, yeah, you just kind of, you, you really kind of have to watch it. And he's talking to me. And then all of a sudden he goes, Whoa, 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 whoa. What's going on? Fatoom. And the the plane just does this. It just kind of goes out of control and just plow into the, into the ground. I'm like, and before I could say anything, you start here. I start hearing like the, uh, what's the word I want to use? The, Oh, the peanut yeah, gallery. Yeah, the peanut gallery. Thank you. So I started hearing the peanut gallery in the background, like Snickers and, and comments and like, oh, do we have to put this out for the next club meeting? You know, uh, like, right. the, I, like I guess they have a most crashes or the worst crash award for the month or something. You know, I, you, I start hearing all these little comments out of just out of nowhere, like out of the trees almost. It seemed weird. And so Ed's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's just he's just kind of has the sheepish look. And it was it was really funny. We walked up to the plane, and he just, what happened was, he's sitting there talking to me, kind of lost orientation coming out of the turn and the sun, and he just kind of lost orientation, and the plane just kind of augured in, but honestly, uh, it was repairable. It, it just was a, it was just an odd time to crash. Myself right. was going, whew, you know, at least it wasn't me, you know, so I was like, whew, I, I got to fly for the whole <laughs> afternoon. Thank yeah. goodness. Now that I've given yeah, the radio right? back. Yeah, I would have felt exactly. bad about that, but Ed was having, he was laughing about it. I was laughing about it. Uh, of course, all the guys that were out there were laughing about it. It was, it was a good time. Um, and of course he had the last laugh, so to speak, because he was leaving. I think, uh, he was going on vacation. And I think it was somewhere tropical and warm oh, the very gotcha. next day. He was leaving the very next day to go there. So, sure. I, he, you know, he was in a, just sure. in a good mood because, you know, he's leaving the country. So like, who could blame the guy? He was going to have yeah, he was going to yeah, have I a mean, cool dr- coconut drink in his hand. That's pretty much what he was thinking, I'm sure. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, well, it's good that they have a sense of humor. Did I tell you that I crashed the Phil's glider, too? I don't know if I told uh, you that or not. No, I don't think but, so. Know, the last one of the last times we went and flew as well. You know, they were all bringing the, the winter or summertime's coming, you know, so they're they're all basically bringing um, their gliders out to try and, and get their glider stuff. And so I had showed up a little late 
and Phil has this antique glider that he's oh, trying to get antique. Going. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And they're like, ah, oh, we had a couple of, you know, weird flights today and, you know, it survived. And, and then he goes here, you, you know, you want to fly it? And I'm like, yeah, sure. We'll try to test it. So I made sure everything was working on it and he launched it and I climbed straight out. Not, everything worked. Okay. Uh, got it into a, a left-hand turn and it just kept turning, kept turning, kept turning. And I thought, Okay, something's not right. I'm trying to turn back the other direction, and it rolled inverted. And so now here's this V-tail glider, inverted, coming right at the bench where we're all standing. And this thing is just building up speed. And I was like, I got nothing, guys. <laughs> you know, and everybody where, everybody kind of dived behind where? it. Yeah, they all, like, jumped behind the, <laughs> the park the safety bench. The bench. safety bench. The metal. <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah. So they're all hiding behind the bench, and this thing is just coming in. And I'm trying, you know, I'm still standing there because I'm trying to get control of it. And I don't think I ever actually had control, but because it is a glider, the wings are balsa, and I think the wings started to flex with the speed. So it actually kind of started coming out in its little dive. Had I had about another two feet, I probably would have cleared the ground. But it came all the way around into like this half loop right as it got wings level, it hit the ground and the nose exploded off of the thing because it's a motor glider, shot the motor out one side. The wings are perfectly fine. It snapped a little bit of the tail. And of course, that was it for the glider. So uh, it's a fiberglass body. And yeah. So anyway, it had been repaired before. Phil was a really good sport about it. I felt really, really bad. So I told him I'd take it and repair it. He said, don't. <laughs> He's like, I don't want to see that glider ever again. It's been just a pain in my butt the whole time I've had now, it. Now, isn't that know? the one that they had a super huge motor on the front of it or it was sticking on the outside of no. it? No, that was a different one. No, no, okay. no, no, no. That was a different glider. Uh, I think that was Bill's. But, uh, but yeah, so anyway, I have, I have the glider now, and I was looking for parts on it. Unfortunately, they haven't made the glider since 2006, I think. So it's one of those things that's going to be – you know, if I have to repair it, I'm going to have to rebuild the nose and, and try to get it all put back together. So Sounds like an interesting we'll see. project. It'll definitely become a project. Phil's not really worried about it, but I I still felt pretty bad. Although I didn't really do anything. I mean, you know, as soon as we launched it and I started climbing out, I don't even know if I had. So what do you think happened? I don't know. I really couldn't tell you. Yeah. I, I mean, like I said, honestly, I don't know if I actually had control when we launched it. I, I will tell you that when we were putting everything together – this is one of those, you know, silly things that on in hindsight, as safe as you and I are and as many years as we've been doing this, you would think that we would be like, oh, by the way, that's probably a bad thing. Let's not fly it. But instead, we continue to march <laughs> forward. When he plugged in the battery, uh, we were putting the cover back on. The motor restarted. The little sequence for the ESC. Oh, yes. Chimes. So you probably had a cold and solder joint somewhere. I think there was a cold solder joint somewhere. And I looked at him and I said, uh, hey, um, you know, did the did you replug the battery in? And he goes, no, it was plugged in. And I go, well, that's weird that it restarted on its own like that. And so I just think it was a cold solder joint. And when we shoved everything in there, it probably right as I made the turn, you know, pushed the battery or something happened. And it it um, it wasn't wasn't reacting like i wanted it to yeah that yeah that's too bad dude i wish to say so that's, that's the never uh, lesson for this one you it know has. always check your solder joints yeah no i've i've had several planes where 
cold solder joints or or the you know my you know I like using Dean's connectors and sometimes sure. the Dean's not so much a cold solder joint but there's like a little tab on them and sometimes those tabs come apart and get frayed and then you lose the friction to hold them in and so they're just kind of they're sort of loose it, you know or you get too much heat on them and the whole uh the whole metal piece becomes loose within the plastic so when you push it in and out it seems like you have a good joint but if you give any pressure or you pull on it it all of a sudden just pulls it, you know it's all attached but since it's loose in the plastic it just moves the plastic enough that the metal doesn't come in contact with the other side right well well i'll tell you what as you get out to fly uh in this summer um you know our temperatures are getting up yours are getting up i definitely would say to our listeners to check all your glue joints check all your solder joints um you know oh you just never know real quick uh since you just mentioned you know glue or uh, solder joints or whatever Remember I told you got that little micro sky sky hunter or whatever by Ishin, nice cool little plane. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, I yeah. I had to um, not re remade it, but I just had to uh, take out a little bit of the elevator and uh, maybe add a little bit of expo to it because it was hypersensitive. After I did that, I was jonesing to fly it. So finally, when uh, the guys called me up and said go fly last week or two, uh, so I went out there and went flying with them. Well. I'm out there flying, and the plane just kept wanting to roll to the right. I'm just like, what is going on? So I'm trimming, trimming, trimming. It just keeps wanting to roll. Every time I release the controls to neutralize it, it just it just wants to roll to the right. I go, okay, well, I'll just reduce. Maybe it's, it's too much torque. So I, I go to dead stick it. It still wants to roll to the right. I'm like, what is going on with this thing? It was pretty gusty and pretty breezy out that day. It was sporting, to say the least. I just yeah. said, well, I, you know, I can just continue flying the battery. I mean, I just barely done a couple of circuits. And then I said to myself, uh, no, I'm, you know, I'm going to go ahead and bring it back in. Because, you know, I'm out there flying. The guys were sure. like, yeah, man, that's flying great, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, really, it's not flying great, man. You know, okay, yeah, I'll, something's wrong I'll bring it back in. So I brought it back in, and I'm here to tell you that... These modern planes, well, the planes of olden days used to fly on one aileron. Right. You know, that's all they used. Well, I was, sure. I was giving my homage to the old, to the oldsters and the old style. <laughs> my, what, so you only had one aileron. Yeah. Going. So I, you know, I usually double, double side tape all my servos and things like that in there. And I've never had a problem while I was in Alaska. So here I'm at uh-huh. Texas. I, I've gotten smart. I've watched the other guys. I got myself a little canopy for shade for myself and everything, and I've been putting my planes in there. Well, as the sun shifted, my planes were no longer under the canopy, and they were sitting in the sun. I didn't think nothing of it, right? I, I just don't think mm-hmm. like that. That was one of the planes that was getting exposed to the sun, getting hot, and sure enough, that double-sided tape gave way and just let loose. I was just flying with one aileron. That's, yeah, that's... Unbelievable. That's crazy. Well, I guess it it could have been really catastrophic, and it wasn't. So that's you got that going. Oh, yeah. I say, you know, I I lucked out, so to speak. But, you know, once again, Mike, I'm still learning, you know, flying in hot weather, how to do it. Sure. How much water to bring with me, things to, you know, to make my life easier. I, I didn't think, not to say it's difficult, it's just really weird how there's more, you know, for each region, there's little nuances for, for going out there. Because, right. like I said, my buddy Jim showed up and, you know, he's whipping out chairs and this and that. And, you know, 
umbrellas and um, things that you really don't. Uh, worry, I, I just never thought. Never I just really never thought about it, and I was like, wow, that just seems for right. you know a lot of stuff for just coming out for you know hour or two, you know, because I'm you know used to just driving out, flying for a little bit, and going home, and you know he brought everything for a full day event, and and I was just like, oh, okay, that's different, and then after observing it i was just like oh yeah, this guy knows knows what the hell he's doing <laughs> you know sure <laughs> after spending some time out oh the yeah room, like, absolutely oh, it's hot i'm glad you brought yeah, this no, no doubt man no <laughs> doubt by the way i'm taking your sandwich <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh, what about you are funny. you uh you doing anything this week mm, yeah i think we're gonna go fly maybe um I, I have some more airplanes i have to repair so we'll uh We'll try to get some of that stuff done and, and head out to the park. Like I said, most of the guys I think at this point in the game are, are probably already on their way to cooler weather. Right. So it may just be one or two or three of us out there. The diehards. Uh, we'll visit with the guys and see what's going on. Okay. Well, but that's about, it. Yeah, that's about it. It's going to be one of those hot summers, though, man. It's, it's already starting to get Heck yeah. It's starting to go up. Arizona, well, Arizona is always worse than Texas, but I'm, they were kind of talking about it here. They were like, oh, you know, May's going to be the rainy season, and we're going to have a mild. And that they they got to mild, and the next day it was just like record heat. It's, double, it's already in triple digits. Well, imagine that. This is the first time ever. Our hours up. I I guess we should uh, once again send out a uh, you know thank you very much yes. to Charleston RC Society. If you're out in Charleston, South Carolina, uh, look up Ed and Rich. I'm sure they'd be uh, great hosts. You as well uh, as a listener and. Um, you know, give us a shout. Tell us uh, a little bit about your club as well. Uh, we're getting really um, excited about talking to some of these guys with their clubs, and, and uh, we enjoy passing along the information. Uh, you know, Doug and uh, Leroy and his group, Ed and his group. So uh, we're looking forward to um, maybe visiting a couple more fields. I know uh, that we have some stuff scheduled you know, later this year, so hopefully we'll uh, – We'll get some more guys involved. Yeah, absolutely. At least get out there. You know, and also we got AK Mike. He's up north, Texas, and I know he's looking at a few clubs to join, so we might as well start hitting those guys up and see what they're what they're all yeah, about. Absolutely. So absolutely. Absolutely. So Well, we got great things coming in the future here uh, for this summer. We'll uh we'll let you know. But for now, I'm Michael in Arizona. And I'm Jay from the Hills of Texas. And uh, we'll see you in two weeks. See ya. You have been listening to the Park Flyer Podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to your next visit. Please give our show a star rating and review, and feel free to email us your questions, topics, or suggestions to parkflyerpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs>